enraged with jealousy because she was my girl. How dare someone do this to her? How dare she do this to me? I knew that I was being hypocritical. I knew I couldn't argue my innocence. I tried, though, and failed. In that split second, even though I was engulfed by anger and resentment, I realised I didn't want her. I just didn't want anyone else to have her, which, of course, they had. Like so many other times in my life, though, I was completely wrong. I... I was the father. My world changed in that moment, and it's never changed back. I felt sick, euphoric, then sick again, because deep down I didn't love her, and I didn't think she loved me. We both laughed and cried a lot. I felt stupid for crying, but I know now why I was crying so much. As the weeks went by, we got closer again. But she became quite sick. She would cancel plans and not show up because she had this terrible morning sickness which had rendered her housebound. And she had to stop working. I couldn't see her. Because her parents hated me. Not only for what they'd so obviously heard about me, but they'd also gotten wind of me seeing someone else. The not knowing just killed me. Every day. I had the responsibility for her and our little life, which I couldn't take. I wanted to. God knows. I was getting about 150 to 200 messages from her a day. A day! Some were really rather beautiful and some really weren't. She was in turmoil mentally and physically. I knew that. But the relentless guilt she made me feel mixed with feelings of protectiveness and love was such a mind fuck. You know? From wanting to bring our beautiful baby into this world with my help in one minute to calling me stupid and irresponsible for doing this to her the next. She was utterly exhausting. I didn't dare ask what she wanted to do. If this was what she really wanted, I was petrified of the answer. On one of her good days, we had been invited to a friend's house. He and his wife had just celebrated the birth of their own child, and I remember him telling me that there was nothing like it. Nothing. My mate was so happy for me and wanted to offer us an evening of baby time, I guess. Holding it, talking to it, changing its nappy, all to prepare us. You know, as she held his little boy awkwardly and uncomfortably, 
my heart just sank. I could see it in her eyes. She didn't want to be there. And I knew she didn't want to be a mother. On the way home, I asked her why she was like that, even though I knew the answer. She told me, without any remorse or reservation, that if she was to have our baby, then it would mean I'd be in her life forever. What she didn't know was that at the flat, our flat, I bought her a gift, a teddy bear, little booties, and a card for her, telling her how much she and her tiny, beautiful, precious cargo meant to me. I got out of the car, and she just drove off. I didn't see her for some time. Of course, the messages kept coming until one day they stopped. In itself, this was unsettling. The silence was deafening to me. I got home from work quite late that day. I was making myself some tea and the front door started to open I ran into the hallway and saw her just standing there frozen I remember she was silhouetted against the sun streaming through the window but she looked as if she'd been caught in the rain she stumbled towards me. She had no energy at all to walk or talk. The strength of character and her resilience in being herself was the quality I fell for. And hated in equal measures. Now she stood before me, beaten. My mind began to race. Confusion, worry panic I lost all sense of time and space and with a sh shuddering screaming wailing realization I could sense that there were only two of us in that hallway and not three the pain I felt that night I cannot describe I felt so utterly utterly torn between suffering and compassion for her who'd had to go through so much that day I wasn't even there I wasn't even there to save my little baby oh, Dave I'm so Sorry. Excuse me. I cannot imagine how you feel, Dave. My son is seven years old and I would be lost without him. That story 
is beautiful and tragic. My heart bleeds for you. That right there is where you've been holding on to for so long. It will never leave you. You'll just learn to take it with you. No. I'm sorry. I've never really talked about it before. Never apologize, Dave. It's who you are. Infant loss and child bereavement are so painful. Life is so unfair sometimes. I guess the only consolation is that you had each other and that you both worked together to get through this difficult time in both your lives. Well, not, not but exactly. Not exactly, Dave. What happened? Well, after we talked for a while, she left. She said she needed a family around her. I didn't want her to leave. I knew I couldn't handle it on my own. And I, I was right. I don't remember much about that night, really. But what I do re remember is burned into my memory. I just could not calm down. It was like I was possessed with grief. I'd gotten used to the idea of the three of us having a lifetime of memories together. But... It was gone. All of it. You mentioned her family and that she wanted to be with them. Did you find solace in your family too, Dave? Uh, no. My family didn't know she was pregnant. They were very traditional and... We weren't married, so they wouldn't have approved. I've never been able to be honest with my family about a lot in my life, really. I'm sorry to hear that. How long did the relationship last, Dave, after the loss of the baby? As she had to stop work for a while and I'd lost my job because they wouldn't give me enough time off, we had to give notice on the flat. She moved out and went back to her parents. I just didn't have that option. So the only place I could afford was a shared house. Which was worse than this, where I live now. It felt as if it was a haven for the helpless. My housemates all had their reasons for being there. To, to go from comfortable and even privileged, perhaps to destitute, was hard. 
on top of everything else. She used to visit a lot. We even talked about trying again. Stupid, really. Why was that stupid, Dave? Well, one evening she came around and she offered to cook dinner. I was in my room as I only had one room and she was in the kitchen. A text came through on her phone from a friend of her mother of whom she was very close. As the screen lit up on the bed he said have you told him yet? My mind began to race as it so easily does. When she returned, I acted for a short while as if I hadn't seen anything, giving her the chance to bring it up. She didn't. I thought up until that point that we were in this together and that we shared a mutual loss and a shared pain. I would I wasn't prepared for what she was about to say. She told me that her friend who'd texted her was asking to see if she told me the truth about what had happened the day our baby died. She told me that on that day having known for some time that she'd had enough with how awful the sickness was making her feel, she had pre-booked an emergency ter- termination. As it turned out, her mum's friend had taken her personally, She told me that her mum had paid for it on her credit card. The betrayal was inconceivable. I had invited her back into my life after both suffering the same pain. But it wasn't. She was suffering guilt at what she had done and failed to even discuss it. With me. Again, it's a blur in my memory, but I remember feeling dangerously angry. I told her to leave. I needed her to. Because I'm ashamed to admit it, but it was the first time I thought about hitting her. Hurting her. Hurting them all. How dare they. Take my child away from me. Who gave them all the right to decide my child's right to live or to die? A life for a life, I thought. It was pain on top of pain on top of pain. So I hurt myself instead, as I intend to do. That is not what I expected to hear, Dave. You do know, though, 
and I know you understand that it is the mother's body, therefore the mother's right. I know that's not what you want to hear, and I imagine you've heard it a lot. In no way, though, am I condoning the way in which she did this. If there are two of you in this, and you are a part of a relationship that could bring someone wonderful into this world as adults, as grown-ups, you need to discuss it together. It's one of the most important decisions anyone can make. It shouldn't be made in isolation. So I feel your anger and betrayal. It's obviously made a difficult situation even harder. How did you deal with it? <laughs> How do you deal with it? The idea that your ex-partner and her family will go as far as killing your baby just to get you out of their lives. I didn't know I was that bad a person. But I must be. Right? <sighs> I... I drank heavily. I had to. I couldn't afford to, but I did. I slept around. I, as if that's some terrible hardship. But I realise now, though, that I had no self-respect or respect for anyone I met. If you act like a monster, you will become a monster. And I did. When I realised I did, I raided my housemates, the pill drawer. It was like a walking boots pharmacy, and I took what I could see. Life just wasn't the same, and I didn't like it. You took an overdose? Yes. A girl I had started seeing was concerned about me, so she called the police. I was furious. I didn't want the fuss. I just wanted some peace. I often wonder where she is now. She really did care. Maybe she could have saved me from all this. In the police car, the two officers ran my name through the system and they were surprised that they couldn't find anything on me. I was in a bad way. They took me to get my stomach pumped and left me outside to recover, I guess. A doctor came to check on me and he walked me to his room. I remember him saying to me, You look like a sensible guy. Why are you here? I was so numb and so exhausted I, I didn't have the energy to explain why. He then said, and this may be the one sentence I will remember forever. He said, it's a Friday night. We are busy. We don't have time for this. Then he turned to me and said, would you like to go to 
Aini, I can show you hundreds of people fighting for their lives, and many won't survive. They want to live. And then there's you. And you want to die. Maybe he thought I was so out of it that I wouldn't remember. But how can you forget that? To be made to feel guilty when you already feel so useless for not achieving what you set out to do is heinous. They just let me go. They let me walk over a fucking dual carriageway, over a bridge. But, <laughs> I got home. I'm not even sure how. I had those ECG electrode things still stuck to my chest and arms. I should have just ended it. The more I think about that doctor and what he said to me, it just destroys me. How little he thought of me. Should have saved everyone the bother, including you guys. Dave, we are here to help. And yes, from the way you tell it, that was a very poor choice of words. It should have been handled better. He would have been okay though, wouldn't he? If I had died, he wouldn't have given a shit. You must understand, Dave. Doctors... Don't give me that bullshit! These people have a responsibility, and like everyone else has, they too let me down. Rosie, you have oh, to... Mate. I've got to talk to you. You can always talk to me. You know that. Fuck, I'm just so scared. I feel... Dave has hung up. He's not taking it well. He was very angry. Shit, we got dead air. Rosie, come on. Fuck. Hello? Yes, um, can you get Linda for me? Thanks. Linda, I wasn't able to help him. It's all gone wrong. Thank you, Dr. Logan. And to Dave, of course. We're trying to get hold of him. Uh, if you're listening, Dave, I hope you're okay. Um, tell you what, let's go to the phones. Really? Yes, line one. Boycott Vic and Hole Radio! Line two. Hello, are you on the air? Hello? My daughter listens to your show every evening whilst doing her homework, and she's just told me that she hasn't done it this evening because she's too depressed. Depressed, for Christ's sake. She's 12 years old. If I have to take my daughter to counselling, you're getting the bill. <sighs> Line three. Who do we have? Uh, my name's John. I'd, I'd just like to ask, I mean, just as a fan of the show, I'm, what's going on? This isn't the greenhouse, is it? Respectfully, John, I disagree. You do? It's a shambles. Even Dave's gone to kill himself. John! Like the rest of I think we better leave it there. Thank you, John. Uh, in fact, John? Hello, John? John's gone. The show's over. What? We did what you asked us to do? I respectfully disagree. You had... One more chance. I suggest you both leave. I've showed your friend out. Uh, we have a contract. No, you don't. Now get... out. 
Radio for when you're out of time. Pick and Hole Radio. Call back, hon. I just wanted to check you're all right. He's not answering. Rosie? I don't know where you ran off to. I'm worried about you. We need to talk. Ethan, you wanker! You told me you were going to sort this out! Just checking you got rid of them all. Give me a call. Dr. Logan? It's, um, Rosie. Rosie Barfield. Didn't get a chance to say thanks. Or goodbye. Um, and I can only apologise for whatever was said to you on the way out. I'm really concerned about Dave. He isn't answering me calls. Just wondering exactly what he said to you. Um, I'm going to check the pub now. I know he drinks there. If he makes contact, could you let me know? Thank you. And um, also, could we wait? I have another call coming in. Bye. Dave, it's Neil. From the radio. Um, could you give me a call, please? I just want to know if you're safe and that you're okay. Um, Joyce told me you'd hung up earlier. I hope all's well. Please call back. Bye. Rosie, babe. Give me a call, please. I know you don't want to see me, but... But I know it's it's okay. I I know. You you didn't mean to send me down. You told me you didn't give any evidence. I know I've not treated you right, babe, but I need to see you. I'm going to make my way over to yours now, okay? I need to see you, babe. I miss you so much. Neil, where the fuck are you? Look, I asked him, you're going to come to yours. Call me back. Hello, um, Miss Logan. Neil here. Um, I wanted to ask if I could chat to you about something rather delicate and when you have time, please. I, I can't keep living a lie like this. I guess I've been inspired to speak out. Not even my friends, my best friend, knows who I am. I'm sorry. Um, could you call me back? Thank you so much. Hello? Doctor, it's Rosie again. Sorry. I still can't get hold of Dave. I need to chat to you as soon as possible as well. I guess... Hearing you talk and hearing Dave, I just have to say it out loud to someone. 
I had a really, really bad abusive ex years ago. He hospitalised me and broke me ribs and he left me for dead. He was put away. I didn't want that to happen because I loved him. Now he's out and I'm petrified. Sorry, let me just... I see. I was afraid this would happen. Yes, of, of course. I will let them all know. Goodbye. If you've been affected by any issues raised in this episode, or if you're finding it hard to cope, please don't suffer in silence. We know how difficult it can be, and sometimes how impossible it seems to open up and talk. But by doing so, you could find the help you need, and it could save your life. Please research local advice hubs, community groups, and NHS initiatives in your area that will listen, advise, and support you through whatever you're going through. Alternatively, reach out to us directly. Contact us through social media and get involved with the hashtag WeAreAllDaveToShareYourStory. You have been listening to Fenella Fudge, Claudia Greer, Alan Lear, Curtis Ledsham, Nadia Lee, Richard Oliver, James Phillips, Michael Prosper, Hannah Thompson, Ashley Tyler and David Tyson. Fifty Shades of Dave was written and produced by David Lee and recorded at Material Studios Liverpool and has been made possible with the help from the Martin Gallia Project and Involve Northwest. Thank you for listening.